Hi, Chris. How are you? Good evening, Rod. Yes, all is well. And what are we now? Episode 33. Sounds about right to me. Episode 33 for the 5th of September, 2022. Which is nuts. And we're, what, two days away from iPhone, potential iPhone release day. Well, it's definitely iPhone release day and maybe a few other things as well. Maybe we can speculate on that for our main show. Yeah, we'll save that for the main show. Should we dive straight to follow-up? Let's do it. We've gone long the last few weeks, so let's try and be a bit more disciplined and hopefully the listeners won't hate us too much. And succinct. Okay, so first up, I think I got just a couple of minor bits on follow-up. So first up, we said about Philip Glenister reader strike novels, I think. But actually, Philip Glenister played Gene Hunt in Life on Mars, the BBC show that ran, I think, for two seasons. And Robert Glenister reads the Corman strike novels that are written by Robert Galbraith on Audible. Just to confirm that, and I am listening to the latest novel on Audible. It's really well performed. And it's all about online bullying, which I find super interesting because J.K. Rowling is being involved in a little bit of that in real life i think so it's really interesting that she's used that as a topic for her book and i think she's done in quite a good way apart from when you've got somebody reading to you at somebody at twitter at this at that reply to at her and at him it's, it just doesn't make a very good audiobook if i want that's the one bit that grates with me in the audiobook but it's a really good topic yeah that's difficult and it's, it's interesting that she's addressing it that way i know i know i know that the whole piling on online thing whatever side of the particular argument you're on, is is unpleasant, I think. And, you know, the whole don't feed the trolls thing is definitely part of that. So, yeah, it's good that she's addressing it, I think. And, yeah, sounds interesting. I have a claim at fame with Philip Glenister, walking in mumbles one day with the family, and he just happened to be coming the other way, eating, eating a Joe's ice cream. So, yeah, that, it's, it's not the best claim at fame, but it's true. Well, and it shows he's got taste, because Joe's ice cream is awesome. It is the best. It's a reason to come to Swansea. Definitely. Okay, next piece of follow-up. I think we touched on it a while ago about having an accustomed domain. So this is where you can go and buy, I don't know, chris.com, for example, or, or any other connotation, and point it at your iCloud account, and then you can use it. So I did this recently for my family, and I just thought I'd quickly follow up on it. So I went and bought a domain name, and then I went to the settings app, and it said, I've got my own domain name. And I said, here it is. And it told me some settings I had to go and change with the company I bought it with. And I changed those settings and then I set up Chris at, at the domain name and it just worked. I thought that's pretty cool because it's not an easy thing to do to make that to make that work. And they also allow you to buy domain names there, but I found the search a bit rubbish in the ones I was seeing available with a proper domain name registrar weren't appearing in Apple's list. So I don't know quite what they're doing there, but I didn't really want to buy it through Apple. I kind of want it set separate in case I want to do something different with it in years to come. So I bought it for myself. And as you add, add it up yourself it goes do you want to share it with your friends and family and i went yes i've got a family account and so i could then go on to my son's email on the, on the icloud website and go add his first name at, at the domain name and then i did it for my other son done i haven't done it for my wife yet though because she's currently her apple id is like a google id and so i have no idea i'm gonna make this work so i think i need to convert her to be icloud because i want to get her off the google email piece she's the only one of us that's been on it for 10 years and so i think what i need to do there is convert her to be a proper icloud id it's put get her this new email address so her first name at and then remove the google bit which is put forward on the google bit but they made it super easy to do which i thought was really good but i'm keen to do it now before my children get much older because i'm starting to sign them up for game things and i want them to use their new email address that, that we're in control of yeah, I get that. It's an interesting thing to do. I wonder, I mean, there's a couple of things as you were talking there I was thinking about. One is tying your domain and then having the main point of contact for your Apple address actually be owned by Apple. You know what I mean? That If you want to change that at some point, is that? I've correct? kind of had that already because 
my personal email has been at me.com for the last 10 years. So it's been a non-event for me, if I'm honest. It's a fair challenge. Yeah, I just, you know, that that thing where, I don't know, uh, you, the, you change your card or whatever, your card expires and you get a new one and you haven't updated it and then you get into some sort of world of hurt in, in renewals and all the rest of it. Is there any sort of potential situation where you can't get email to, fa- to the fact that you've changed a thing to get in to do a thing? I don't know. I mean, it's just as, as, you're, as you're talking there, I don't know. I don't know. And to me, my personal email is largely non-important because it's just Amazon orders. I don't do a lot of personal email because my day job is email. But all this is, is setting up an alias on your me.com or your iCloud.com email, in essence, or your Mac.com as we were talking the other week. So before I had something at me.com, I've now got my just my custom domain in there. So I think it's largely, for me, I don't think it's making anything any weaker than what it was already if that makes sense no, i just wanted to have a cool domain that's cool fair enough I, I don't blame you i think it's a good idea and i quite like i think when we talked about this before i quite like the notion of the of the family email address or whatever it is all being sort of fairly corporate and, and coming together in that way and it's certainly the time to get the kids when you well know, my wife was like why can't i have it and i was like oh just because you you've just got legacy so i need to deal with it but she's a school teacher and she starts term tomorrow and i thought now now is probably not the time to do it so here's i will do one weekend I mean, this is a really interesting thing. We could probably go along immediately in the follow-up here after me saying we were going to do a short show. But having two kids who've come through, well, one's still in secondary school and one's just about to start university. And I actually had a bit of follow-up myself on two-factor authentication with her sort of joining university. She signed up for all of her university stuff using her school account. So the, the, the secondary school she attends give them all uh, uh, email accounts. That's how they communicate with you. They don't want to know about your home email address. They want to use the school one probably quite right because they've got control over that for things like teams and for the way they manage virtual online meetings and all that kind of stuff and i'm going well but when you go to university you don't want it tied to your secondary school because that'll go away at some point so you need to use something else so it's just the thought that even though you want your kids to have the one email address to rule them all they're going to go out into the world and they're going to get the second email address presumably when they go to school and then the third email address when they go to university so my daughter now has a cardiff.ac.uk email address as well as a gmail one an iCloud one, still her secondary school one. So immediately that sort of proliferation starts to happen. Yeah, and I guess I hadn't really thought about students having their own email because when we were at secondary school, email was not a thing. I want my kids to have, I want them to understand the siloed nature. So I have my work email address and my personal email address. That's all I have. And I'm very particular in that everything to do with my personal life is on my personal email address and on my work email address is obviously I didn't work with it. And I've worked with people before, like they'd set their Amazon account with their work email address. So I was like, what are you doing? You know, you, the company could go bust. You could lose your job. Why would you do that? And they were buying iTunes purchases on it and things. And it was just like, oh, it's just going to be a whole world of hit. But I think that's just where people don't get used to it. But I want the boys to have, you know, when they're setting up their PlayStation account or whatever it may be, do it to your personal address and then it will grow with you. Because at the moment, we're in that weird stage where some of the things are linked to my email address. And I need to start untangling that before it gets too painful, I think. And it's, you know, only a few small gains at the moment, but it will get more, I think, as they get a bit older. I think it's interesting. I want to follow up how much spam you get, you know, with your new account down the line a little bit, or how much spam they get with signing up for things. Well, they don't have access to their email at the moment. 
because so, they're, they're in that blissful age where they don't really know what email is. I'm just curious to see how it goes because, I mean, Google Mail creates its own spam. I get spam through work. You know, the, the second you publish a paper, you have all these chancers coming along saying, have you thought about doing your work with this? And all lines of business are the same. It's not just in the academic world. It's, you know, if you've worked in business, if you're on LinkedIn, if this happens, if that happens, you know, you start to get these sort of spam. And then the legacy of having signed up to Amazon or having, you know, created some service to play a game at some point or something like that it all builds up and you know apple don't have the best reputation for dealing with spam in their in their accounts so i just i, I just want to check back every six months or so as you do these things to see how it's going i agree with what you're saying but i've been on using apple anyway so like i say for me it shouldn't really be any difference it'll be interesting when my wife moves over how she finds it compared to gmail she doesn't know she's using gmail because she just accesses it through the mail apps on her mac and on her iphone but it should just have a different domain, if that makes sense. Well, as long as she knows her email address, I think. And it's not that much hassle yeah. these days to do it. So I, yeah, yeah. No, but her email address is a custom domain anyway. Right. So that's that's why she doesn't know it's at Google, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, that's that's interesting. All right, I've, I'll, that, let's keep an eye on that. I'm curious how that goes in the months to come. One thing I haven't explored yet, though, with custom domains is I can use it with my family. But could I use it, say, with my parents who aren't linked to my Apple family? Could you use it across multiple iCloud accounts and that that's the only thing i haven't got to the bottom of yet but i'm interested to find out yeah that will be interesting because you think no but let's not let's not pick away at that for now that is an interesting thought though okay i've got a little bit of follow-up as well just related to what we were just talking about with my daughter signing up to university that i have tried to get well the rest of the family to use one password for quite a while now unsuccessfully when we shame her i'm gonna have a more serious effort now she's off to do her own thing but she didn't want my help at all signing up for any of these university things. She had to sort out her accommodation. She had to sort out student loans. She had to do all that kind of stuff that you just do as part of it. And she blithely went along with what the university were saying and ended up with Microsoft Authenticator on her phone. And I'm like, no, I want you to use this one app, this one password thing that I've been talking about forever that does it. No, the university said I had to use it. I said, well, no, but it's just a QR code. You scan it and you move. No, I have it. And it's interesting that People just, how many apps are on phones or on, on devices because people think it's the thing to do because that's the way it go. It just it boggles my mind slightly that even somebody who lives in a house with somebody who's reasonably tech savvy, I like to think I am, you know, has absolutely no appreciation of this kind of stuff. I failed as a father in one way. It's a big concern for me, I think, when my children reach the edge of your daughter that they're going to leave being not tech savvy because they're already behind some of their friends because we don't let them have email. We don't let them browse the open web. They don't really play much online games. And so they're slowly falling a bit behind. I think that will start to make itself up once we get to secondary school. But it's tricky, isn't it? Because they don't want to do what dad does because it's not cool. But you want them to leave with enough knowledge and security that, you know, we, we're trying to help them and do the right thing. So it is a really tricky one. I did love it a while ago. My son comes home from school. He was about seven at the time. And he goes, Dad, you need to change the pin code on my iPad. It can't be my day at birth. We've just done internet security at school. And they've told us our pin code shouldn't be anything to do with us. And I was like, that's brilliant. You know it. But the reason it's your day at birth is so I can remember it when I have to update your iPad for you. <laughs> yeah, there is there is a reason for these things, isn't there? Thankfully, you know, face ID, touch ID, all that kind of stuff make it a little less required than it used to be. But it's still a factor. I do love it. Side note on that, my father-in-law had to borrow a phone office. And so he borrowed an old XR without a home button. And, and I sent him up with Face ID and it blew his mind. And then he phones me a day later and goes, Chris, how do I get all the apps up? And I was like, what does he mean how to get all the apps up? He was just stuck in an app because there was no home button to push. He didn't know you had to just do this, the swipe up action because he's never had a non-home button device. And it, it made me laugh that he couldn't work out how to get back. So it kind of showed me how 
I thought it was quite intuitive interface, but obviously I saw the press release when it came out and he hadn't. So I thought that was quite amusing. Yeah, we, we watched the keynotes. We watched Craig Federici swipe up from the bottom of the screen and it fail on his very first attempt, as I recall, with the iPhone 10 when it came out. So we, were, we knew what to expect. But yeah, for most people, we've, we've said this before, Apple's initial launch into the device and the hints and the helps they give you aren't very good. You know, and, and that, that's, if that's a new device that you're setting up for somebody and you just assume you know what to do, it's, it's tricky. tricky. And it was a restore from backup. So they would have known it came from an iPhone set, you know, a home button device to a non-home button device. So it was a bit disappointing, but it also shows it's not that intuitive. But he's also seen my wife and I use our phones all the time. So I thought he might have picked up on it, but, but clearly not. Anyway, we better move on. Let's move on. So we've got into the news and we're we're deliberately going to try and keep the news section a little bit shorter because a lot of our news and rumors are going to flood into the main device when we're talking about what's coming down on on tuesday so yeah first story here link in the show notes as usual apple's us iphone user base overtook android in june and now accounts for more than half of all smartphones so that's in america and that's amazing i think that is amazing and i probably don't appreciate how many people use Android in the world because my immediate family will use iPhones because I make them. My company will use iPhones because I make them. So like the, the the worlds that I'm involved in are very iPhone orientated. So I just assume that they were already half. I don't think I fully appreciate that. Actually, Android's a lot bigger. And obviously I work in an IT team and there's lots of very techie people with their personal devices, Android. But yeah, like I said, I thought we were already there. So for me, I was like, oh, right. And then when actually when I stopped and thought about it, I think that is very impressive that Apple have got that far because it is a premium device and it's always been sold as that. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, well, the, the website that we primarily run, it's overwhelmingly iOS devices that you see on it. So I get a bit biased in that direction as well. And, you know, being the Apple fan that I am, I'm in the same situation as you. The family use iPhones, you know, it's, it's just what you expect to happen. But then when I go away, like, I remember being on a trip to Barcelona in about 2019 and being on the underground in Barcelona and looking around the carriage and what everybody had and everybody was on their phones. It's the same as the tube in London. You know, nobody looks up, nobody pays attention to what's going on. They're all they're all scrolling their Snapchat, Instagram, whatever it is that they're doing. And I'd say overwhelmingly, like 95% of the people on the carriage were using an Android phone in some way, shape, or form. Mostly Samsung devices, lots of the sort of Chinese brands as well. But it, it was it was just a dramatic difference from what you'd see if you travelled on the tube here or, or on, a, on a train in the UK. And it seems like America, which I also would have thought would have been, you know, 50-50 maybe. But obviously iPhone is, is beginning to pick up there as well. Apple's got to be happy with that, especially with all the recent controversy and legal cases and lawsuits. It's got to be good news for them that that, that other noise that's going on in the, in the news, in the media, isn't actually making a dent on the actual iPhone adoption piece. Yeah, there's a quote in this that I quite like. Operating systems are like religions, never significant changes. I mean, you can see that, can't you? People do get quite embedded in what it is that they do. I think people don't want to learn how something else works. I'll be honest, when I pick up an Android device, because I barely use one or support any, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know the quick actions. Whereas you give me an iPhone, I know quickly how to go to where I want to go, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. And, and people do get used to it. And there's a lot of, on both sides, you know, I think iPhone users are just as bad as some Android, you know, the whole sheeple argument that came out of, of well, be about five years ago now, I guess, that you'd just slavishly go and buy the next device that Apple didn't offer up to you and you'd spend the money and off you go. But I think consumers are a lot more savvy these days. 
that they, they do want the thing that gives them the value. And it's not so much the device in many cases. We've talked about this before. It's the apps that you use on the device. We like the device because it gives us X, Y, and Z apps. It works well with our Macs or our iPads and, and, and all that kind of stuff. It, it's it's interesting when people do decide to make that switch that you know that the the you know they're, they're overwhelming beginning to move towards iPhone particularly in America. I don't know if that reflects the strength of the dollar maybe at the moment compared to the euro or pound, but it's a thought. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. Fair point. It is interesting because I thought Apple already got its market share. If you know what I mean, I thought they were done, but cl- clearly it's still grown. Well, they were the fir- they have first market advantage, don't they? The iPhone came along before Android did. So, but then it's the sheer volume of Android phone manufacturers. As I said, looking around that uh, that tube carriage in, in Barcelona, there was Samsung, there was Lenovo, there was Nokia, there was uh, you know Huawei, there was the other ones that I can't think of off the top of my head at the moment. But there's a huge number, you know, OnePlus, all the Oppo, all these other brands that are that make Android operating systems. It, it amazes me that one company can dominate when you've got so many other companies pushing up against them. And that one company sells one operating system and all those other phones are running Android. So you think surely the chance for market share domination should all be in Android's way. So it's, it's, I find it fascinating when you see these kinds of things. Agreed. Agreed. Good. Next up, Next up face mounted monitors. So I, I, this is quite an interesting thing and it comes around every so often as other ways of consuming things. And I remember, I guess it would have been early 2000s, maybe, no, a bit later, maybe 2010. There was a bit of a, a, a fashion towards glasses that you could wear so you could sit on the plane and, you know, watch things instead of having to have your, your screen up in front of you. So there's been this, this story is Lenovo launching a pair of glasses that effectively have OLED 1920 by 1080 monitors in the lenses. So, uh, you know, a 1080p monitor in front of your eyes, in your glasses, when you're sitting on your uh, on the train, or maybe you could use it as your de- uh, your desktop when you're in office mode, I guess. But I quite like the idea of this. I quite like the thought of sitting on a plane and having something you know that I don't need to hold up in front of me or pay attention to or balance on that little tray table. I think it's a good idea. I'm mixed on it. Back to your point, sitting on a tube. You know, if somebody's wearing that, you, would you be completely oblivious to everything going on around you because your field of vision is just these screens in these glasses? Or can you see a bit of augmented reality or... I don't know. It, I'm inter- I'm really interested. What's disappointing with the article that we've got in the show notes is it just shows you what they look like when you're looking at them from the outside. They're just like a pair of sunglasses. I want to see what they look like when you're wearing them and you're looking out through them. How does that look? Yeah, it would be it would be better if they showed some sort of YouTube video or something with somebody watching it and some sort of perspective from the inside, I think, just to see how how these things look. But what makes me wonder about it, and maybe we'll get to see this on Tuesday, is is this what Apple's VR glasses or AR glasses will do? Will they help replicate this kind of functionality and you'll be able to move the cursor with your voice or you know, wave your phone around to do it or something like that? Or, or wave your finger, maybe. I mean, you get that in cars, don't you, where you my wife's got it in her car and I've never really used it unless it's by mistake, but you can like swipe your hand and it will scroll the screen, but it looks like you're trying to slap somebody. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, and then you're quite forced with it. Whereas I just touch the screen. It's fine. Thanks. So I, I don't know. I think we need to see it, but you need two adapters if you want to use it on your iPhone and an app. And I'm just, I don't know. I think she it into the iPhone. Well, if you look at this, the technology for things like, and I'll get it wrong again, what's the thing where you can move one cursor to the stage manager, center screen, what's it called? Stage manager. Stage manager. Not that one. The other one that we spent ages when the last lot of beaters were on about, I want to move off my iPad onto my Mac and back onto my something else. What's that? 
Oh, I was going to say continuity, but it's not continuity. It's not continuity, it? no. Something anyway, else. apologies. That thing works really well. You know, you open a display next to your, your Mac or your iPad and you can zip on to the next thing. So potentially, if it treats the glasses as just another display, you can move things on and off to it. That quickly, that's okay. I've not heard that theory. Do you think that's a precursor, a way of testing technology out in the open? It could be. I mean, let's face it, it's rock solid when it works, isn't it? And the fact you can control this and move it over there, I think if they could do that with their VR slash AR glasses, that would be very cool. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. Okay, enough on those, I think. I found this story just for you because uh, I thought you'd, it would particularly appeal to you as the two, one of us with a, a Mac Studio display is that uh, there's been some reports of Apple Studio display owners complaining of high-pitched buzzing sounds likely caused by electrical interference. Any, any experience of this? None whatsoever. Still love my studio display. I regret that it's so expensive, but it is awesome. I'm running it in my shed. I've got my microphone that I'm talking to you on. I've got my couple of iPads, phones, Apple TVs. I've got Dell monitor. I've got some IKEA blinds. I've got a Dyson thingy. These are all Wi-Fi connected and I've got no problems with it whatsoever. So for me, I haven't seen it. I don't think the studio displays have the best of births into this world. So I do think there is some more work to do. At the same time, lots of electrical devices make high-pitched whines. I mean, I, my older airport, air, not airports, my uh, Wi-Fi network devices, APs they are, also had coil whine, the earlier ones. So when they were under a lot of load, lots of traffic going back and forth. They run over power over Ethernet as well. So there's no plugs or anything. in them. So the, 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 the current they draw isn't an awful lot because it's PoE. But you could actually hear coil whine on them as some one of the kids would fire up Netflix or something. I could actually hear it start to spin up. It's gone in the latest generation. It was the much much earlier ones. So it's not surprising to me that early generation electrical devices, some of them might suffer from something like this. Yeah, we've seen it before. I'm glad it doesn't. Well, my one doesn't, but it's a fifteen hundred display, fifteen hundred pound display. It's a lot of money to spend on. It is. But you think people have bought 50, 60, 70,000 pound cars and immediately had to have things replaced on them. It doesn't matter how expensive the thing is. Engineering oopsies happen across the board. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. There we go. I think that'll do us for issues with the studio display. One, it was a YouTube video actually that caught my eye this week. I did send it to you early in the week. I don't know if you got a chance to look at it. It was about Mac Studio in the real world. Did you get a chance to look at it? Sorry, I did not. It's been a crazy week for me. So it's fair enough. It's It takes a Mac Studio. And one of the apps that were featured when they introduced the Mac Studio was a clothing app called Clo, where designers could model in, in 3D fabrics and designs and, and things like that on virtual models and see how they'd interact and, how, interact and how they'd look. And it's obviously very graphically intensive. So one of the things about the studio display, studio, Mac Studio, is it has all these GPU cores. So the idea would be that it would be phenomenal on these. I think it's 48 GPU cores that the Mac Studio has got. So the guy in the YouTube video, and it is worth a watch, he does it quite well, takes a Mac Studio to a, an up-and-coming designer who lives in his bedroom. That's fine. I'm not making any judgment about that. But in his bedroom, he's had to, he switched away from a Mac to make use of a gaming PC because the graphics card is so much better. He's got an NVIDIA GPU, and of course, this uh, Clo app can run very well on it. So they give him a top-of-the-line Mac Studio. They give him two days and they come back and he's back on his gaming PC because the Mac Studio is not optimized for the app despite them showing it in the trailer. Really? Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. Mm. 
Like I, it. it's not good, is it? Like I say, it's worth a watch. And in fact, at the end of it, as he's wrapping up, and he says, and they they displayed five or six apps during that as to how awesome the Mac Studio would be and all the rest of it. And not all of them are even up to most to run on Apple Silicon yet. Really? So were they running betas or? They haven't been relaunched or what? I mean, it kind of goes back to the whole Teams thing we were talking about the other week when it took Microsoft a year to do it and then they drip-fed it out kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's not very good. Not very good at all. Anyway, I thought it was interesting. I've bunged it in the show notes because I think it's worth a watch. It is quite an interesting sort of real-world video about how... And it's not the aspirational, this is what somebody in a, in a beautiful studio with all the white desks that Apple wants you to see looks like on that gorgeous couch that's beautifully lit. You know, somebody who's doing a job of work. He's an up-and-coming designer. He's got his thing he needs to do. He's trying to get his, the, something produced in time to get it for some design, uh, considered for a design award. And he just keeps having to go back. I mean, I've given the game away, but I still think it's worth a watch. He keeps having to go back to his, his PC to do it. Yeah, that is not good, is it? You want that to be a... We gave him a Mac Studio, and it was amazeballs. Yeah. That's what you, that's what it should be, based on what we've been sold. Yeah, and particularly as the studio is the one for professionals, it's not you know it's not people who are just sitting writing email or firing up a Word document who are only going to notice very incremental changes. I mean, we notice changes. I notice changes as a Mac user because I see how much better the battery is, and I think I'm I'm not your average user. I do I do push it a bit. I run Xcode. I do bits and pieces. I, I certainly write an awful lot on it. Yeah, interesting. Definitely interesting. Super interesting. Actually, one thing I did miss our follow up is I did check my wife's computer earlier and it has updated Teams and everything now in Activity Monitor is Apple Silicon. And whatever Intel thing was running previously, even when Teams wasn't, is now gone. So it's still version 1.5, which which I before, but I think it's got a minor update number, which is Apple, Apple Silicon one. So that's done. So I'm happy anyway that she is now out of the Rosetta land. I'm very glad you've made me look at mine. Always a great thing to do when you're podcasting, fire up activity monitor and see what's going on. I still have two Intel processors. I have something called IPC server and I have carbon component scanner XPC. That's X process communication, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. What's activity monitor? Ah, ha, ha, ha. Well, you know, when I, when I go to force quit a thing, I can be slightly more sure why I'm quitting OneDrive for the millionth time. Hey, I'd be happy with it on, on my iPad. Shall we move on to media? Let's move on to media, which I think will be quite short this week from looking at the list. No Apple no Apple TV Plus shows this week, but I've managed to catch, I know how much you love a show and not a film. I have managed to do one film this week, but I thought I'd have a quick chat about some of these. Have you have any interest or have you watched them? So the first one is the new Lord of the Rings show, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which is an Amazon show. If I say no more other than Amazon have spent a billion dollars on this show. Billion dollars. A, a, a billion dollars with, with your best Dr. Doctor Evil impression on. How many episodes? That's, well, I don't know. <laughs> I've watched one of two that they've released. They're releasing them weekly. Am I correct in thinking that this is the one where, because a friend of mine was talking to me about it last night, and is this one where they... You're not allowed, they, they blocked reviews or something for a few days, or which didn't sound good? Well, uh, to be fair to them, I think it's to stop review spamming. You know, everybody who jumps on and goes, oh no, it's another woke conversion of my very favorite thing, and sort of jumps onto it and really sort of knocks it down in the ratings, potentially without even having watched it, just because they dislike it. That seems to be the purpose of the, of blocking the reviews for three days. But, but to review it, do you not need like a proof of purchase? 
in essence, because you see that on Amazon, you, you see it's verified purchase. I think maybe is, is the terminology they use. It's Amazon. Have that verified it's, watch. It's Amazon Prime. I don't know. I've never seen a verified watch. I don't think they track you that well. Presumably they do, but I don't know about them tracking me that carefully to do it. So, but it wouldn't just be there. I, oh, I, I don't know. We should maybe find a link to the story when we went out, but we don't know what we're talking about in particular. I was just going to say they spent a billion dollars on it, and you can see all that money on the screen. Did they did they steal all the animators from For All Mankind? Well, I was complaining that they should have spent a bit more money on the graphics. I, I think that's why For All Mankind looks a bit ropey because they're all working for Amazon because it looks incredible. Are they using Mac Studios or gaming computers? I, they're probably using fairly large gaming computers and and Amazon S three render farms to do everything. Okay, so it looks good, which is big tick for me. I do like a film that looks good, but is it TV is show it good? TV Sorry, show. TV show. Is it good? I mostly enjoyed the first episode of it so depending on did, how it, big, did it hook you because yeah. the first one's really got to hook you hasn't yeah it? i want to watch the next one i just haven't got okay. around to it yet for a variety of reasons i haven't got around to it i watched it with my oldest daughter we're both lord of the rings fans we like the the jackson movies we think the the first three are particularly is it only three i had to think about that there i came with many many discs when i bought the blu-rays anyway because they didn't all fit on the blu-rays because I bought the special edition ones, not the ones released in theaters. And I love the three of those. Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the, uh, the Two Towers, and Return of the King. Fantastic films, well acted, uh, look amazing. New Zealand never has never looked better. I didn't like the Hobbit films so much. But these are good. And with the exception of one piece of casting, and I don't think it's the actor's fault, I just don't think he's right for the role, I'm really quite happy with it. It set before the time of Lord of the Rings, so like the age before. And there's a couple of no well-known characters in it. Galadriel is in it, and Elrond is in it, the two elves. Elrond is appallingly cast. <laughs> like I say, the actor's doing the best they can, but you've got that image of Elrond, which who's Agent Smith from uh, The Matrix, if you remember those films, and it's not that. Right, okay. Yeah. It's interesting that actually a lot of things go for prequels because I think people want to know how we ended up there because you, you know what the ending is, and, and I don't know, it seems to work that people know we got there. So I'm not surprised they've done a prequel. I'm amazed they've spent a billion pounds, so I'd be interested to see how that, that pans out. I'm quite into it. Like you, I love the first three films. I haven't seen the Hobbit films, but I do have them. I do want to watch them, just for completeness. I'm amazed, though. I have read the Hobbit book. I have not read the Lord of the Rings books. But the Hobbit book is a wee book, and the fact they managed to stretch it into three films is quite something, I think. I, I don't know. Maybe they should have just done one quality film. But there you go. I would support that. There's no way there's three films worth of content in that in one book. But you see, Hollywood particularly does this. They did it with the last Harry Potter book. They, you know, they did it with the I think is it the Allegiant films and all that kind of stuff. They did it with Hunger Games. You know, this is what they do. They take them. They oh, we're making money on this. Let's spread it out a little bit more. Yeah, let's stretch out the dollars. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So yeah, I think it's worth a go when we talk about and we've said it repeatedly on this podcast. Apple has a sheen to the things that they have. This very much has a sheen, and it looks amazing on my big TV. My big TV, a billion pound sheen. Yeah, it's it. There's a lot of sheen on that. There's Mister Sheen on that. So yeah, that's my little recommendation. Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. If you're at all interested in, in Lord of the Rings, I think it's well worth a look. If you haven't seen the 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 Peter Jackson films, maybe you won't have the bias towards the casting of of, El, of Elrond Lydos. And again, I don't want to take it from the away from the actor. He's doing a cracking job. I think it's just there's too many. Precon pre preconceptions in my mind for it. Galadriel however really well cast she's not Kate Blanchett but she does a really good job so that's one the second one is just to say I'm continuing to watch House of the Dragon all very fantasy themed so far this week from me we're on episode two now the first one was excellent looks like it's continuing to be excellent so yeah impressive stuff I take it you're still not there 
I just haven't. I don't know how you do it. I, I, <laughs> I just haven't got the capacity for it at the moment. Apologies. Fair enough. My, I think it's. The, I can't remember if I said this in the show last week. My youngest daughter is now entranced with Game of Thrones and has started working her way through the original ones. She's sixteen. I'm, depending on how much you know about Game of Thrones, I'm not sure how good a thing this is. But you know, such is life. Yeah, she's really enjoying Game of Thrones. I have told her don't get too attached to any of the characters, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> They're all disposable. Almost everybody in that show is at risk of death. I think maybe three of the original characters make it all the way through at the end. <laughs> spoiler alert. No, that hasn't given that much of a spoiler away. Anybody who's watched it won't be at all surprised. So that's that. That's another era of fantasy. The other one to talk about that is has come back is Star Trek Lower Decks, which is an animated TV show. It is... If you've ever watched any Star Trek ever, there's the joke about the red shirt who goes off and gets phasered to death and it's where's the bridge crew keep going through and you see them all the time. Lower Decks is literally the people who are down somewhere on the Enterprise or one of the starships who keep everything else going. It's very funny. It's very self-referential. There's lots of in-universe jokes to Deep Space Nine or the next generation or the original series or whatever. They do a really good job with it. It's only 20 minutes long. It's great. It's very funny. And, and they've just knocked that out of the park with the two episodes I've seen of that so far. Brilliant. It sounds like they've done something a bit different with it, which is quite nice, isn't it? So I like the sound of that. Yeah, they really have. I think you probably get more out of it if you're a Star Trek fan, but even if you didn't, I think it's actually really well animated as well. And if you've been watching the, if you watched The Boys on Amazon way back when, one of the characters voicing that is in The Boys as well. So that, that was that. I, th I won't go on because I know you're not the biggest Star Trek fan. So I should be a Star Trek fan. I love the concept of it. I just, for whatever reason, just never fit in. And it's not because I've watched and didn't like it. I just haven't fit in. I don't know why. Fair enough. My last bit of media that I've powered through this week is Top Gun Maverick is available to buy on a variety of platforms. What a great film. I sat and watched it again last night. I saw it in the cinema. I watched it again on the TV last night. It's great. I, I almost have no criticism for it other than it's Star Wars. You know, is the plot of Star Wars done again, A New Hope? But I can live with it because it's in, in F-18s and there's lots of high fives and, and beautiful people playing football on the beach. So you know, it's a great film. For me, I thought it was stunning. I thought it looked stunning. I thought they had enough nostalgia and enough newness. And whoever cast Goose's son did a stunning job. And we were talking about cast just now with Lord of the Rings. But whoever cast his son, it was uncanny. So I, I, I really enjoyed Top Gun Maverick. I, I liked Top Gun when it came out, but I wasn't like the biggest Top Gun fan. But Maverick, I thought they did. They did the best they could. It was amazing. It was a cracking film. Yep. So I super enjoyed it. And it was nice to have something to go to the cinema for. It's it's a proper cinema film actually, which the likes of which we haven't seen in in quite a long time. Though, and Marvel particularly have taken over cinema to such a you know it's just the trudge to the cinema to watch the big Marvel blockbuster again. Whereas this was a genuine, and as you say, I think it's a well done sequel. It's referential enough. There's enough of the characters in it. There's some people they should have brought back maybe that they didn't. If it was going to be super harsh on them, but. It's really well done, and it just adds to Tom Cruise's legend, really, that he is really the last sort of big screen cinema star left. Yeah, no, agreed. It was cracking. I think they did everything. They got it right. It was a top film. I don't know. We should check Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm sure it's still trending high. Yep, brilliant. That's it for me. Anything for you? I was just going to follow up on Luck. I did watch Luck with my kids. They seemed to enjoy it. I hated it. It was torturous. It really annoyed me because you had a dragon and something that looked like a donkey in love, which reminded me of Shrek. And then you had basically Inside Out, the Pixar film, as you had this other universe. And it just really annoyed me that it wasn't original. 
I was really disappointed. And my son, and my ten-year-old son, we were discussing it afterwards, and he goes, "Why don't you like it?" And I, and I point out those, those few reasons, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I see what you're saying." And but it hadn't dawned on him. But I, I was really annoyed that it, I just didn't enjoy it at all, and I didn't think the animation was that good and the graphic quality. I know I went on about Lightyear a lot and how good like the patina effect were and how everything was worn. This just everything was just shiny and rounded, and I, I don't know, just I don't. It, it needed more work. They needed to do anything and John Lasseter didn't sprinkle any magic on it for me sadly yeah I, I gotta say other than what they did to the Apple website when you pointed that out to me which I was quite impressed with I quite like the animations there I didn't think the animation quality in the trailer looked very good no it was disappointing it looked like a 10 year old film sadly yeah that's a shame that is a shame Oh well, you know, you live and you learn You can't. they can't win all of them I guess but it's just it's a shame that somebody of Lasseter's talent you know has put out something so mediocre i guess but how much was he really involved in it i don't know so i i don't know it was just really disappointing because like, i love a kid's animated film <laughs> that's right in my wheelhouse and i love watching it with my kids but i just couldn't get behind this one fair enough good stuff okay anything else in media nope not for me that'll do Should it go to games? let's go into games and it'll be a very quick game section so i've watched a lot of stuff this week so i really haven't done much in the way of playing games i did fire up my xbox just to see what was on xbox games pass this month noticed commandos 3 was on there i thought that might be of interest to you as much as anything else what uh, a game just uh, saying. i might download it and have a look and the grid game that we we're talking about a couple of weeks back is also on, on games pass so i have set them both to download I will try and check them out if I get time. But other than sort of five minutes here and there playing Apex Legends on my iPad, I generally haven't played anything this week. I would love to know how small Commandos 3 is compared to Grid Legends on your hard drive. Because given that Commandos 3 is, I don't know, 15 years old, is a ballpark guessing, Grid is six months old. It'll be interesting just to see. That's fair enough. You have watched a lot of TV, to be fair. I was going to say that actually Splatoon 3 is coming out this week if you're a Nintendo fan. It's an awesome game. And actually, my son had seen an advert while he was with his grandparents. I said, oh, can we have a go at Splatoon 3? It looks really good. And I was like, I might have already pre-ordered it. And so he thinks I'm the best dad ever. So we're going to go that bit. I quite like Splatoon because you paint stuff. You shoot things, but you're shooting paint. And I think it's a really good concept on that sort of genre of shooting games. So I think it's really well done. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I think we talked about it before when I ended up talking about Power Wash Simulator, that it was, you know, yes. it, it was a little bit different. And I quite, I thought the first Splatoon was fun. I didn't like the sort of, the fact you had to be inside of the Nintendo online thing, which isn't an awful lot of money as these online subscription things go, to be fair. It's not up there with the more expensive PlayStation tiers, the more expensive Xbox tiers. I think it's like a one-off 30, 40 quid a, month, a year or something like that. I can say like 20 or 30 I yeah. can't it's not a lot it's not a lot and you, but but then on the flip side of that the games tend to be more expensive you know a switch game is in, in the 60 pounds region as opposed to 10 20 30 that you typically get for a PlayStation or an Xbox title what world are you living in PlayStation 5 games are 80 quid and switch games are 50 quid yeah my point is though if you subscribe to the higher PlayStation tier you get fairly decent high quality games delivered to you you know two a month yeah, sorry you're you're right and nintendo do need to do something like that i think because you just get all the legacy stuff which i don't really want to play yeah so i mean if you think xbox is when i was paying for it, it was 10.99 a month and i must have had 70 games to choose from including some triple a titles that you know so there's nintendo don't offer anything like that no they they could do something yeah they should they could and they should i, I agree yeah so that's splatoon 3 anything else the last one for me was just 
I'm not a big COD player, so Call of Duty, but it's staying on, on the PlayStation for a bit longer, which is good to see after Microsoft purchased Blizzard Activision, they're going to leave Call of Duty on the PlayStation for a bit longer, for a couple more years at least, which is good because I thought Call of Duty was quite synonymous with the PlayStation. It, it used to be that it used to come out on the PlayStation first before the Xbox and things. So interesting to stay in a little bit longer. Yeah, it is. Um, on the other side, I'm not that surprised. If you think, what's the install base of PlayStations 4, 5, and all the rest of it? There's mobile titles, there's the PC version, etc., etc. That's a lot of pounds and dollars to leave lying on the table, Microsoft. So why would they pull it off and only have it on the one platform at that point? I guess it depends if they think it's got enough pulling power or pushing power to push people onto the Xbox. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose with the sort of increasing dominance of Call of Duty, I, it may slightly depend on how Warzone 2 goes as well. So Warzone was a huge thing during the pandemic. Lots of people played it. It kept them sane. I was one of them. You know, during the pandemic, it certainly helped with my mental health. For, for I don't want to analyze that too deeply, but I, it, there's a lot of churn with a game like that. You know, we've talked before about you know you don't pay to win, you pay to buy the horse armor, you pay to you know have a a different hat and all the rest of it. And the Warzone community vanished and went off to play other games as they go. You know, I, I, they didn't know what they were doing with the updates, they didn't know what they were doing with the maps, they didn't know what they were doing X, Y, and Z. So keeping yourself spread around as many platforms as possible. It can't be that much harder to program the PlayStation version and the Xbox version. I'm sure most of the tools are more or less the same at this, at this stage. And the internals of the, the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, make sure I get the right one, aren't a million miles apart either. They're both NVIDIA chips. They're both, you know, it's, it's a fairly well-known platform to, to program for. Not like the PlayStation 3, was it, with its cell processors and things that were was incredibly difficult. So, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not surprised Microsoft had done this. I feel like I saw something about maybe the one of the UK merger commissions saying they weren't 100% sure about the Activision Blizzard merger. Or am I making that up? No, you might you might be right. I don't know. I don't know on that one. We can follow up on that next week. Yep, let's follow up on that next week. Brilliant. Well, let's see how we go. I mean, hopefully I'll get my, my free Warzone on my PlayStation for a bit longer. But i got to say, given the install size of the game, I tend to play it on the PC when I when I play it all these days because it's massive. Yeah, well, I have upgraded my PlayStation. We discussed. I I've definitely got room for it. I need to do the single player campaigns. That's all that interests me. I mean, it is interesting. Slightly, it's still related to this. That if you buy Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two, which is the next version that's coming along, the early access to that is to the single player campaign. It's not to the online campaign any quicker. It's to give you a week's early access to the single player. That's unusual in this day and age. Yeah, I'd agree with that, but I guess they need to have everything up and running for, for all the multiplayer. I don't know. I, I think it's to make players play the single play, the, the, play it because they spend a lot of time doing it. And if they give them, I don't know, a gun or a skin or something for playing the single yeah. player campaign, they're more likely to be invested in doing it. Yeah, you're probably right, to be fair. It's a bit cynical, isn't it? It is a bit cynical. I like the single player campaigns, but that's just the kind of game I like. I like solo games. I'm not very good at the multiplayer stuff because I don't put the hours in. I just enjoy doing the story modes. Not that I really want the story. I just want to run around and shoot stuff. So um, each their own, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. And I will pop it in the show notes. Well, we haven't had time to think about it, obviously, this week, because I did see it. But Microsoft takeover of Activision Blizzard raises concern at UK regulator. So there's a story in The Guardian there I've popped in the show notes. We'll read it and we'll come back to that next week. Okay, that's our homework. Brilliant. Main show. Yeah, main show. Assuming we actually get time for our homework. So on Wednesday, the... 
7th of September, we are expecting new iPhones to be announced by Apple, 6 o'clock GMT time. It will be a keynote. There's people going in person, which is interesting because it, I think it's the first in-person event they've done in a post-pandemic world. But it's going to—it's looking like it's going to be quite a good event. I think there's a lot of good rumors out there. I'm in the market for a new iPhone this year. Not that I'm desperate for one. I, I do want one with a better battery because I think I've used a lot of my phone and the battery starting to degrade. But I think if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be as fussed about a new device, if I'm honest. I think the battery's pushing me that way. But I love my phone. I'm really happy with it. It's two years old. It's worn really well. It looks great. The performance is great. The cameras, are st I still think the cameras are good. Now, I haven't used a 13 like you've got. And I'm glad I haven't because it might go, oh, actually, the cameras could be better. I'm not waiting for promotion, which I think you've got on your, your phone. So I love my iPhone 12 Pro Mac, but I just fancy a newer one because I do want a better battery. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to talk about the phones that we've got now when the, when the next phone comes along, I guess. I had the iPhone 11. I didn't upgrade to the 12 when it came along and then went to 13. So I'm on that two-year-ish upgrade cycle, the same, the same that you are, I think. And that seems to work quite well. You don't need a new phone every year, folks. You absolutely don't. My sort of commentary about this phone, having had it a year now, is the cameras are really, really good. It has three lenses as a standard one, a three-time zoom and an ultra-wide. My only complaint about the camera would be there's a macro photography mode when you get in close to something, it's meant to zoom in on it, and it's very unreliable. That it doesn't, you know, actually getting the balance between being zoomed into something and not isn't isn't obvious. And I got to say, the camera app isn't as good as it could be when it comes to things like that. The controls it gives you aren't particularly intuitive when it comes to if you want to go into portrait mode it all seems to be heading that way but you know the rest of it not so much my only real complaint about this phone promotion's great i to be honest i do notice it but not i could live without it i think i don't think it's the end of the world on, on a device like this is it's so unbalanced and i'm demonstrating for chris on the camera but if i hold the phone in the middle the, the weight of the camera is so heavy it actually pushes it over and it changes the way you hold the phone. It, it's always rocking over in the back of your hand. And I find that more irritating than anything. It's not that it's heavier. It's that it's unbalanced that I don't like. I think it is heavy. I think the device is heavy. I think it is unbalanced. And you're right. I don't have big hands. and I do feel it. This year, I am interested to see what the regular size Pro is going to look like. Because I'm in two minds whether I want to get a Pro or a Pro Max, if that makes sense. The one thing I'd like to see them do, which I'm disappointed, is the, the Max screen size doesn't take advantage of the extra resolution you your control center is still the same as what the normal one looks like it's just everything's a bit bigger whereas i'd like it to be like they've done on the ipad have the more space settings so that it can be you know a denser population of icons and things and i'm curious now whether they would bring more space to the max line of phones in an ios update but i don't know it'd be interesting this year because obviously there's going to be max size screens for both the pro and the regular there is talk that the regular one will be called the iPhone 14 Plus and not the Plus, not the Max. Yeah, it's interesting. All right, so let's let's break down our rumors a little bit and try and be focused. So to finish off our thoughts on, on the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 13, I'm not changing this year, so I'm just, I'm interested as much as anything else. Another member of my family may be after a new phone, maybe after an iPhone 14. So that's fine, I'll see how that goes. It will likely be the iPhone 14, it won't be a, a Pro, it won't be any sort of larger ones. So this year with the iPhone 14, the rumors are that we're, we're getting rid of the smallest one, so we're losing the iPhone mini, which we've had in the in the 12 and the 13 generations. There will be an iPhone 14. There'll be an iPhone Are we calling it Plus now? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. This is a rumor. iPhone 14, iPhone 14 Plus, iPhone 14 Pro, iPhone 14 Pro Max. Yeah? That's the four... Well, it's two sizes, two different phones, one of which will be 
better cameras, one of which will be slightly less, slightly worse cameras. And the biggest differentiator they're saying this year is that the chip may not be upgraded, the processor may not be upgraded in the standard iPhone 14, but will be in the iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max. So that's interesting. And then visually, the notch, which has been present on iPhones going back to the iPhone 10, is becoming more of a pill-shaped cutout on the screen. So that's going to be your differentiators this year. It's not, we're not going back to rounded sides. We're not doing anything like that. It's going to be, there'll be a new bigger model in the cheaper phone, cheaper phone, and the screen will have this pill rather than notch. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I'm not surprised they're going to separate the pro and the non-pro lines out. My wife was, oh, you know, I kind of fancy a new phone for a change. And I was like, this probably isn't the year for you because you've got an iPhone 12. And if you were to buy a new phone, you might get a slightly faster chip, but you're not complaining that your phone's slow. You're not complaining about the camera at all. It might be worth waiting another year and have a real seismic jump. And I quite like the idea of my wife and I being on TikTok years, if that makes sense, so that, A, we're not forking out for two new phones each year, but also we each get to try out the the newer devices. So I I think what they're doing with the regular iPhone 14 makes a lot of sense. You can have a bigger screen, but you don't need to buy the most expensive model. Tick. We're going to differentiate between the Pro and the regular because I think they haven't had enough of a carrot and stick to get people to buy Pros, and maybe this is their way of doing it in that they're going to have a bit more differentiation, A, with the look. But the look will harmonize because you can see the pill in the hole punch moving down the line as time progresses like the notch move down the line so i'm sure that will equal out and the chip thing does make sense do most people care what chips inside their phone probably not they're all so quick these days you none of it ever feels slow i think and that's why i've got a two-year-old device and i'm not complaining about the speed yeah i'm with you i don't think there's a people your average user won't notice it i think the average user or the average pro user probably doesn't notice half the features that are in the pro max you know like the various cinema modes and camera recording modes that were in the pro max and the, and the pro phones i can honestly say i've never used despite having that particular phone anyway to stick to the iphone 14 for a minute uh what we were just saying about the phone being unbalanced uh, it would be a real shame that we talked about this before they need to do something a bit more clever with the arrangements of the cameras i think i think it needs to go across the back of the, the device in the same way that the you know the pixel that i was testing had they won't do it this this is not the phone year to to change radically change where the camera layout is going to be but i think that would help and help the phone look a little bit more balanced because again with my one the case is even this isn't the one i've got and it isn't an apple case but the apple case was the same i've got these raised lips around the cameras so it doesn't even fit square on a table anymore they used to balance it out so that the camera would actually be flush so it would, it would lie flat on the table and in the cases it doesn't anymore so things like that i find quite irritating with the size of the camera and it's not going to be any different on the on the iphone 14 to the iphone 14 pro i wouldn't have thought that flush camera bump was really quite a good thing you know the, as I look at the back of my phone, and it's only a year, I can see there are a few little scratches and things out the lenses, despite it always living in a case. So, yeah, not ideal. Agreed. And I think Apple are really leaned into the cameras being in the corner because that's iconic. And I, I think they should move it into the middle. You know, why wouldn't we have some symmetry or sp- or have it across the top? But I think they'd then worry that it looked too much like an Android device. Mm. So it would be better to have more of a rectangle up the top and spread out so the phone isn't weighted on one side and also then at least if it went all the way across the top it still wouldn't lie flat but it would be angled towards you on a table whereas at the moment it it rocks and it's not a nice experience so i'm curious to see what they do with it but i doesn't feel like anything's really changing this year on the on the case design based on what we've seen no, I agree. They're saying they're predicting that we'll be have there'll be six gigs of RAM rather than four gigs of RAM in these devices. 
the modems might get tweaked a bit. There is this potential rumor of satellite connectivity coming as well. We talked about that last week. I'll kind of believe that when I see it. It's satellite-based emergency features anyway. And then a bunch of colors, you know, that I presume we'll get the usual black, white, red, and blue, and we'll get a variant of that. Maybe we'll go back to the iPhone 11, was it? That had purple, I think. I think it was iPhone 12, actually, that had purple. They it, released it six months afterwards, like in the spring. Perhaps. They did purple, yeah. and then they, for the 13, they did green six months afterwards. Yep. So that's that's it. Now, what's not in that rumor, and maybe it's in the iPhone 14 Pro one, is USB-C. So I presume we're seeing lightning for another year as well. I think so. As much as I'd love to kill USB, have lightning at the moment and just have one connector, it feels like it's going to hang on a little bit longer. Yep. So no, I, th- I think they'd be good phones and they'd be easy to recommend to people, but yeah, I, I think they'd be fine. So we're saying minor changes for the iPhone 14 as well, I think we're saying. I think this is the year where they split split the full, the regular phone with the Pro and then you'll see more of a, they won't then need to do it because they're making a big split this year so that then it's more gradual as the years go on. Yep. So, and to be clear, the notch will only be on the Pro phones. And as well, let's move into the Pro phones. Sorry, the, the notch will remain on the iPhone 14, but not on the iPhone 14 Pro. We're getting minor updates. And as we turn towards the iPhone 14 Pro, that new pill-shaped cutout in the screen will be part of that. But also, sort of the most obvious thing about this phone will be the always-on display, is the prediction. Yeah, so you've got an always-on display, which sounds quite cool. It'll be on, and you'll have your widgets on the lock screen that we've seen. I'm quite interested to see how that is because that will be, I think that'll be quite a selling factor and quite a differentiator when everybody's got their phones on the meeting room table, assuming people still go and have meetings. And with the dart and pill, as they're calling it, for the, the face ID and the front-facing camera, it's quite interesting from the sounds of it that in between the two hardware pieces, you'll have the lights that indicate whether the camera's on or the microphone's on, you know, the, the green and the amber that we get now. So they're going to use software to kind of make the gap between the pill and the dot black so it looks like it's it's all one if that makes sense and that sounds quite clever and quite an apple thing to do of taking that two bits of hardware and using software to you know to make it more functional i think that sounds a really clever idea of of what they're doing there Yep, I agree. That does sound interesting. iPhone 14 Pro models will probably have this variable refresh rate screen, which will go all the way down to 1 hertz and all the way up to 120 hertz. So the ProMotion thing will continue. I think mine goes down to 10 hertz on the OLED on mine, which obviously isn't slow enough for this. So I, I guess those of us on iPhone 13s will be left out in the cold when it comes to this. Fine, that's, you know, they've got to differentiate their product somehow. They're going to want, want you to upgrade, aren't they? So they're not going to retrofit it. It's rare that you get stuff retrofitted, I think. Yeah. Fair enough. The, the front-facing camera will have autofocus, which will be a first this year. These are all rumours, by the way, folks. Don't take these as gospel. I have a 48-megapixel lens and a 21% larger sensor. So, fair enough. That sounds like fairly standard camera upgrades to me, really. I'm assuming they're 48-megapixel. That's on the back, isn't it? I would have thought so. It's not going to be a front-facing yeah. camera. I, I think it sounds good. I am after a slightly better camera. I must, must confess, I take a lot of... I'd like to do a little bit of photography. I've got a big camera to do it, but... I. I always have my iPhone with me and I always want a better camera. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm a bit disappointed with the feedback you've given on macro mode because that's something I did want as part of the upgrade because I don't get that on my, on my model of phone. Yeah, a bit disappointing in that. Maybe it'll be better. But as I say, I think that could be fixed with a camera app rather than the hardware that's on the phone. And then the last thing in this is we may go up to 8K video shooting. How much storage do you need for an 8K film? Well, this is also the rumor that they might in- 
improve the speed of the lightning connector on the bottom so you can offload it quicker because apparently it's very slow i don't often do this but apparently it's very slow so i'm interested to see where they go with that but surely if they're going to improve the speed of offloading it on on the connector the hardware connector that'd be a great time to go to USB-C, wouldn't it it would be i mean that's a more complete story i can i'd understand that in the setting of USB-C. oh and we've the reason we've had to move to USB-C on these new devices is to get the video off there that much faster not because we've been forced to yeah not because the eu have said so and you know congress are about to do the same thing to us throwing a connector in the box doesn't work anywhere in the, in the world anymore anyway so that's some interesting things there slight change to the layout i'm with you on the sort of iconic look of the cameras on the back and the notch on the front that's how you differentiate an iphone at a distance from things so i understand maybe why they're leaving things there solid no i'd call it an incremental update to the screen on what's on the iphone 13 and you know and and incremental upgrades to the camera so it sounds like a solid model year but not exciting from that point of view I completely, I, I think I agree with you. I think, yeah, sounds like a solid upgrade. And I think I'll probably appreciate more than you would because I'm skipping your iteration of phone where I've had the better screen, the better cameras. So I, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it. And like I said, I'm very much in the market to get one. Higher prices, do we think? I've no idea. I can't remember what they cost now. <coughs> so I think potentially everything's costing more money, isn't it? Everything's so, costing more money. So you can see it happening. Just moving on though to another rumor though that we did have up in the rumor section is potentially there's this talk of getting rid of the SIM card slot which I've never had a problem with it on my Apple Watch and I still have a SIM card in my phone. I'd be completely on board with this. Why don't we get rid of SIM cards? Because when we looked at this before, most UK networks don't support it. Have they not moved on from that yet? Well, not since we looked. When did we look? About four months ago now when we were talking about the eSIMs? Maybe. So maybe in our homework for next week is to do another little sort of quick troll around and see what's... Because what tends to happen when they release sort of modem upgrades or eSIM upgrades is they throw up all the carriers that support it. And you'll get maybe an O2 or a Vodafone or an EE, but you won't get all of them. They'll sort of pick one of them. And then there's the thought of, I don't think this is particularly a UK problem, but the MVNOs, the the Voxies and the you know the Smarty Mobiles and the GIFGAFs who sort of hang off those networks. And those are the kinds of SIM cards you pick up in a supermarket when you when you land in the country or you know you, you, whatever choice you make. And we, as I said, when we talked about eSIMs before, I think it's a great idea when you land in venezuela and you want to quickly get a sim card deal up and running you know you visit that you scan a qr code boom and you're up and running what happens you leave the country when you switch back to your old sim you know there's lots of unanswered questions there do you have multiple e-sims how does how does that happen i don't know i, th- I think they'd have to do two because they do dual sims now don't they where you have one e-sim and one actual sim but do we not need a bit of karen stick here like come on this has been out f- for years now let's get everybody over the line on this one that would be my view i'd love to get rid of sim cards yeah, there's lots of reasons for it. At the same time, you know, people have multiple SIM cards they travel with. You know, they've got the work one, they've got their home one. That's why there is a proliferation of Android phones with multiple SIM card slots in them and an eSIM. So I, I, I'm on one level, I'm with you. I think it is time. Why are we still carrying around these legacy bits of plastic, which are very breakable, that something can go wrong, you know, for whatever reason. You know, unless you're a drug dealer dealer and need a burner phone, you know, there's lots and lots of reasons why. You think maybe law enforcement would be pushing for this a little bit as well, actually, as I'm talking, you know? Yeah, agreed. I don't know, it just seems very old technology and it's another hole in my phone where water could get in or dust or something. I I don't know. I just don't think I need this. So I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that. I, I'd be on board with, with sign up for that. I think E in the UK support it. I'm with E. I'm comfortable with it. Fair enough. Well, we don't have very long to wait on that, and we've got a few other rumours we can have a, have a look through now as well. So we always get iPhones of these things, and the other thing we always get are watches. Anything on watches? 
Sometimes we get a watch at a different event. I think we had a watch and an iPad Air one year. And because I think that was maybe what I COVID watches. I'm quite excited about the whole, whole watches front. I don't know about you. In that it sounds like we're going to get potentially a new line of pro watches or something. And I'm, again, I'm in the market for a watch this year because I nearly bought the last year's watch and I held off. And I nearly bought one just last week because it was super cheap on Amazon as they're trying to clear out the inventory. But I thought, no, I'll wait and see, see what comes out. So I think it's going to be super exciting. There's there's quite a lot of unknowns, I think. I'm hoping the rumor mill doesn't burst before I'm, because I do like it when there's a bit more of a big reveal. Yeah, something truly unexpected in an Apple event is great. I got to say, it's been a while since we had with a, one of them, really. In fact, I'm trying to remember. I think we were close to it with the studio, the Mac studio and the studio display, but somebody leaked it pretty much pixel perfect, like a, a day beforehand or something. So it would be nice to have something truly truly revolutionary that we didn't know anything about yeah so apple watch series 8 an evolution of the apple watch series 7 is the rumor no notable design changes so the very slightly bigger screens that we saw in the series 7 the one that i'm wearing now is a series 7 i like the watch a lot i like the always on display i don't notice it being nearly as slow as the original series 0 watch i had and even the series 3 watches that i had it's it's not a device that i see any slowdowns with i definitely agree with that i use mine so much i use it to unlock my car i use it to listen to music i use it for timers i use it for my notifications i love it i wish there was a better quality of app on on the watch like outlook on the watch is a bit disappointing you don't always trust it like has it actually updated does it need my phone as a companion or can it run independently so I I love the watch. I do use it a lot. I want to do more with it. So I'm curious to see where we go, but yeah. Yeah. So Series 8, same sizes, 41mm and 45mm, same sort of colours and options, potentially having a thermometer in it, temperature sensor, which, which we've talked about before, won't be as accurate as what you get if you stick something in your ear or on your forehead because it's not taking a core temperature reading. But... Even so, if you can account for, I don't know, a three degree, four degree difference between your forehead and that, that's something that you can keep an eye on. You're still going to see a significant change in temperature at your peripheries. Yeah, and I guess you can use it for trend analysis. And there is talk that, that it would monitor you like the blood oxygen one in the background rather than taking snapshots here and now. And that way it could do more trend and and then you could obviously see if it's massively going up or dropping, whereas it, I'm guessing it should be constant. Yeah, if I remember, you might know better than me because presumably you're running the beta on your watch. They changed some of the fitness monitoring algorithms on the watch as well, didn't they? So it could actually, as as you threw your arms out to run, you were able to get a more accurate sort of stride distance and all that kind of stuff. I think I remember read that presentation as part of the beta as well. So I guess they'll run through that again as, the, you know, yeah, it's an evolutionary change to the watch. They won't sell it like that. They'll say it's the greatest watch we've ever made. But, you know some of the software modifications will improve these things as well yeah i've been quite impressed with the beta it's pretty solid there's a few quality of life improvements but i haven't seen much different you know it's what they've been doing all year i guess is the question i have because trying it's, to fix the ipad trying to yeah, fair point fair point and i'm waiting for that in october so no I, I'm, I'm interested to see what I, i'm interested in the hardware because there is also talk of this pro model which may even be even bigger than 45 mil might even go up to 47 i've seen rumors and have it have the new design which i kind of get that they could bring in a new design on the pro model and then filter it down into the regular models i guess but i'm curious to see what that looks like because again i've said i wanted a different watch i don't know whether 47 might be a little bit big and chunky from what my needs would be there I think it would be disappointing if you went to a bigger body and the straps didn't fit it. You know, you're selling your whole line, line of new straps potentially at that point too. 
there is that but then to be fair they have kept the straps going for a number of years now they've yeah we've had the same straps since series zero we're now on seven that's pretty good going because i was always nervous like a few months before any new watch came out i thought i won't buy any more straps just yet i'll wait and see and i love the straps and i am in the market to get a couple more but i thought i'll just wait and just see what see what comes out so i do want a new watch i want one that looks a bit smarter and i think i might keep my old watch because the resale value isn't that great but one that if i scuff it up a little bit i won't be cheesed off like when i go out on the water or if i'm gardening or doing jobs i could just put my old one on because i I just want to wear it all the time i will say and we're we're almost done with the apple watch section of this one more potential product that it's been surprisingly rugged. All the Apple watches have been surprisingly rugged because I just treat it like a normal watch. I don't, you know, if I'm working in the house or I'm drilling or, you know, I, I, you know, out and about, I just get on with it and I should probably touch some wood. So far, I haven't had any massive scuffs across the screen or really scratched up the metal or anything. It's a reasonably robust device. So I quite like the thought of this Apple Watch Pro, which the rumors are saying will be just a bigger version, maybe with better metal, you know, titanium or something like that, rather than stainless steel or aluminium that's on the current iterations of, and a little bit bigger. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think the Apple Watch, and I've generally just had the aluminium one, so the relatively cheap ones, they've been great. Like, really hard wearing, nice device. I use it, like I say, wear it every day. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And it's changed my life because I do, it does make me go out and make sure I do an hour's worth of exercise a day. So it's, for me, it's worth the price of entry. Yeah, I, I hit my move goal every day. It's, it's, it's just something I want to do, despite the fact we've talked about before that may be unhealthy. So last Apple Watch rumor is a new version of the Apple Watch SE. I don't even know where we're at with the SE, I'm sorry. But I think the SE was like a Series 4-ish sort of watch. Kind of makes sense, but I'd be surprised if they release it now if they've got such a good watch story, wouldn't they come later? But then if they're phasing out the Series 3, maybe they need the SE to fill that. I think it's disgusting you can still buy an Apple Watch Series 3. I think it's very slow, well past it. Unsupported in software when the next version comes along as well. It's time to get rid of the Series 3. Well, they should have got rid of it years ago. It's, it's, yeah, it's not what you expect from Apple. They should be selling stuff today that is supported for the next four years. Yep. I mean, the Series 3 was fine in its day, but its day was four years ago. I had one and it was great, but I haven't had one for three years. Apple Watch SE, which will take on from maybe the Series 6, I think, with the always-on display and a few more of the sensors. The SE is quite cut down. It doesn't have the always-on display. It doesn't have the bigger screen. It doesn't have the compass, I don't think. I can't remember. I can't remember. But anyway, it's you're giving up a lot of things. It was not that much cheaper than the Series 6 when it was released and not that much better than the Series 3 that they continued to sell, which was only £199, I think, off the top of my head. So, yeah, the Series 3 needs to go away, and the Apple Watch SE needs to be a compelling alternative to that for people who just want to get into the game at a reasonably cheap price, given the cost of living and all the other things. But, yeah. Yeah, and I'm rolling with the Series 6. It's fantastic. It's a great device. Yep. Good things. Would recommend. We like our Apple Watches. So, to me, they're the definites in the sense that we will get iPhones and we will get an Apple Watch. I think the other things we're going to speak about are going to get increasingly vague and less likely, perhaps. Yeah, well, the next one on the list has got to be AirPods, surely, because AirPods Pro, they've been out, what, two years nearly now, I think, or 18 months? Maybe, no, it's two years. I, th- I bought mine in 2020. I remember buying them. It was a bit of a treat, and I wasn't sure, like, are they going to be much better than the re- the regular AirPods I was wearing at the time? They're fantastic. I did have an issue with mine not charging right, 
but I, I reset them, repaired them, and that fixed that. And they, they've soldiered on. But I would definitely be in the market for a pair. I wear mine every day. I attend every meeting with them on. I usually just have one in at any one time. And I've seen a few rumors about them, like about the case possibly having speaker grill holes in it, possibly having USB-C. I don't know. What, what do you think? Well, when I recanted my story, recounted my story of almost losing my AirPods in the in the snow that time, I, I think more speakers on them so you can find them a little bit easier is a good thing. 2019 AirPods were orig- announced anyway, and they haven't had a refresh since. So I think people who bought original ones, the batteries are probably well past it by this point. Mine are still okay, but I was a bit later to the party. I was unsure about the silicone tips and things like that. But they are great devices. To me, it's a cert that will get announced this year. I think they will do this before January. I'm not convinced they'll be at this event, but it would be quite a good one to do it at, so I wouldn't be entirely surprised. What they really need to do are new device for the people who want to buy it, buy them again, because I think there's a flush of people who want to do that. And they need to support all these new lossless and spatial audio and all the new codecs that have come about since you know, in software. So the things that they're pushing so hard on the Apple Music Store, you can actually make use of Apple's own headphones to, to listen to them. Yeah, so a couple of bits there. I wouldn't say they need to do the AirPods this year because they released a slight upgrade with the MagSafe piece on it for the case a while ago. I don't have the MagSafe case, but I do have a lot of MagSafe charging bucks, and I've never had a problem with my AirPods charging. And then your point about spatial audio and all the lossless stuff, it felt like they brought out the AirPods Max that I'm wearing right now, but they didn't seem to have connected the dots with the software team that were then doing the, the lossless audio piece. So I, they've definitely got to get that sorted. And there is talk of different code, different Bluetooth LE or something. Yeah, which is all good. It's going to, it's all good. No, I think they'll obviously upgrade the radios in some way, shape, manner, or form. The better Bluetooth standards are good, not only for audio, but for better improvements in battery and things like that too. Maybe faster connection to your devices, maybe more seamless. Am I connected to your Mac? Am I connected to your iPod? Am I connected to your iPhone? Which they do get lost in the middle of sometimes. Agreed. For somebody that uses Teams all day and flips between iPad and, and iPhone, it does sometimes get yeah lost in the ether. It does. Good. All right. So I think they're a firm maybe for me, we might see them, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't show up. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I'm 50-50 on that. iPads. Do you think we'll see iPads at this event? I'm mixed on this. I think not because the software is not ready. I, I don't think they'll be announcing iPads. I think they'll have a separate iPad event in six weeks' time when the software comes out and all. there'll be a cohesive story with an M2 iPad or something there. I'm kind of hoping they don't show us iPads because it could get a very expensive event for me. And then I think the iPad Pro sits on that and that's probably that as far as that list of rumours go. Anything else? Any sort of last minute additions you'd expect to see them announce? Will we see any AirPods Max? Again, I kind of hope we don't because I love mine and I don't want to be tempted to buy any new ones. But but are they? if they're going to do the whole lossless piece, would now be their time. I don't know about you, but I've noticed a lot more people out in the wild wearing not AirPods Max, but just wearing bigger over the over the head earphones yeah for me i think the only other thing we might see there might be a slim chance we see something like a home pod of some way shape manner or form it's not heavily rumored but it seems like this is the more consumer focused event than some you know if they're going to do airpods maybe they'll throw something new out for the home as well be it the rumored i home pod with a screen or be it just an improved home pod mini or some sort of slightly more expensive replacement for the home pod itself I'd quite like to, I think that's more wish th- wishful thinking from my point of view than something they'll actually release. But it's time, I think, that they, they did a little more with that line rather than just the HomePod Mini. I kind of want to see a little bit on the home line anyway. I think I said this before of what we're doing with Matter. 
what does that look like? So I'm hoping that we get a bit more around that because they've obviously spent the time on the new home app. They've mentioned Matter. So I think there'll be a little something in the keynote on Matter. Fair enough. I guess we'll find out next week, won't we? Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Brilliant. I think we can call that a show, Chris. I think so. And don't forget, we'd always love to hear some feedback from you. You can get in touch with us by email at wakefromsleep at protonmail.com or you can hit us up on Twitter at, at WFS underscore podcast. Talk to you next week. Cheers, Rob.